Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia invites you to join us on the podcast. If you or someone you care about has a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on Dyslexics Wanted. So before we get started with today's show, send us your story. Email me directly. Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, at chartproductions, C-H-A-R-T productions.com. Or you can call and leave a message, 781-356-1500. Again, 781-356-1500. Today we have something very special for us at the Webb Innovation Center for Dyslexia. Fifty years ago, Dr. Gertrude Webb, of course a pioneer in the field of special education, launched the PAL program at Curry College in Milton. PAL is an acronym for Program for the Advancement of Learning. Massachusetts became the first state in the union and Curry College the first college in the country to offer an educational program that would help college students with dyslexia and other learning disabilities. Today we celebrate 50 years and more by talking with the current director of the PAL Center at Curry, Dr. Laura Vandenberg, and one of the teachers with years of experience working with students in the PAL program, Professor Lori Lubeski. Well, this is a treat because for the longest time, we've been after you, wonderful folks, but you're so busy at the PAL program at Curry College. So welcome, uh, Laura and Lori. Great to see you. Thank you. We're excited to be here. 50 years ago, 1970, this program got started by the lady for which the Institute is named, Gertrude Webb. You just talk a little bit about the brief history of the program, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. So in 1970, Dr. Webb began PAL, and she believed... As a forefront leader, now we know of the field, Mm. but at that time, really as a parent, a very committed parent of children with learning disabilities, that students with that profile could and would be successful in college with appropriate supports. This was far-reaching and groundbreaking, wasn't it, Lori? Exactly. In fact, every other program in the country that has every other college that has a program for students who learn differently. It's Mm. basically modeled after the PAL program. Because prior to this, yeah, there was learning for kids in public school and so forth, but no one had addressed the college level. Vision it with us. What was life like for collegiate-bound people before programs like this? What what did they face? Well, one of our... Most of them (laughs) didn't even think there was the option to go to college. And it would be written on their transcript that... Not college material. Not by the uh, guidance counseling Mm -hmm. folk, yeah, because they just didn't cut it in in school. Correct. So we've come a long way. It's 50 years later. We're going to talk about today because that's what's uh, important. And uh, congratulations on an award that you won, Laura, Mm, uh, that you you might want to talk about at some point. Uh, Why don't you talk about it now? Okay. So we recently, um, I had applied for the Apple Distinguished Educator uh, for class of 2019. And we used our iPAL program, which is our technology platform. Um, We teach a curriculum based around assistive technology on the iPad. And it is grounded in what our students and faculty use every day. And we've flipped the higher educational model because we brought students in as co-owners of the curriculum. And we've asked them to design the program with us, evaluate it, and teach it with us. Well, see, that's so important to people because that sense of control over their own mm-hmm. destiny when in, in high school and early grades, so many kids in the older days were just uh, feeling shut off. Lori, uh, tell us what you teach at Curry and how it works through the PAL program. 
Sure. I just wanted to comment on that idea about their sense of control. Yes, sure. Because that's a huge goal of our program, that students are taking control of their own education. Mm. And that's one of the things that PAL puts a huge emphasis on is you're responsible. You take the wheel. You understand how you mm. learn. And with our guidance, you make that work for yourself. So uh, PAL is a strengths-based program. And at the beginning of the semester, we always talk with our students about what their strengths are and how they learn best and how they could monopolize on those strengths mm. to have academic success. And it's so exciting. I'll, I'll never forget one of the students I had first semester, and she received her grades, freshman, and she had all A's and B's. And she was so shocked and excited because she had D, mostly D's, C's and D's in college. And she just burst burst out crying and said, my parents are going to drop dead when they <laughs> see my grades. Now, well, there are so many people, and I have friends and colleagues from my days who uh, not only went into the college program and were able to get through it, they succeeded in, in, in many cases with honors. Mm -hmm. These are people who were left on the side of the road yes. uh, educationally, aren't they, Laura? Yeah. And often because they, I mean, the history of the program is to call the way in which they're processing information a learning difference and really acknowledge mm -hmm. that there's a whole range of what normal is, right? And to process information in a way that we now define as a disability is really just part of being a normal human. So if you think about that philosophical basis, and that's what the Gertrude Webb legacy is, is this belief that the way our students process information is just different. It's, right. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's our culture and our society that labels it as wrong. If you can acknowledge the strengths in that processing, if you can figure out how to support the weaknesses and then let those students, one of our professors says, like, step into who they were meant to be. That's what Dr. Lynn Abraham says. She said, I work with students and I get to see them step into who they are meant to be. Mm. And that is so powerful. And some of them have never had the conversation or never looked at how they process information. They've just been made to feel like it's wrong and it's not fundamentally wrong it's just different and what you're saying is borne out by almost every guest who has his or her own experience to talk about mm -hmm. in this podcast that's why we're doing this Lori I, I started to ask you earlier a little bit about your own personal approach in the mm -hmm. classroom tell everyone what you teach specifically and how it works through PAL so in the PAL program we work either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with students and we give them basic support, uh, study strategies, time management, organization. Um, one of our latest, greatest focuses is resilience. Mm -hmm. um, we can't talk about power without talking about resilience, mm -hmm. fostering their own resilience, having them recognize, and in terms of that whole idea about stepping into themselves, having them recognize. So there's a lot of self-reflection mm -hmm. And that's also at the foundation. So of our your program. focus is, is of course, on the whole person, right? I mm -hmm. mean, you're talking about the psychological impact of having this over your head when you're a younger person, and it's now time to welcome these people to the adult world of education, isn't it? Yes, and that was where Dr. Webb 
um, led the field was in metacognition. So Mm -hmm. cognition is the psychological process of thinking and metacognition is thinking about our thoughts. So often we would get students who focus so exclusively on just thinking about material K through 12 that by the time they get to college, they haven't really thought about how they learn. Mm. So that is what we're guiding them to do. And all of our professors have expertise in education, special education, they're cognitive scientists, um, they're psychologists, they're educational therapists. So there's some aspect of the science of cognition that we're bringing to the table to help students to understand how they think. It's not just tutoring. It's not just learning the material. It's learning about how you learn the material. You're listening to a discussion about the Program for Advancement of Learning at Curry College in Milton, which is celebrating 50 years. There's a big event in uh, the spring of the 2021 semester, which is sort of a year from now, Mm -hmm. let's call it that. And uh, we'll be reminding people about that. It's very exciting. This is a nationally recognized program. So let's talk about technology because both of you have touched on it. And the award, the Apple Award, was was all about recognizing how you utilize tech. A little more specific on that. We'll start with uh, Laura Vandenberg, the director. Our world has changed so drastically in the last 10 years with the advent of our mobile computers being the size of cell phones. So just the fact that our students currently who are in the program don't really remember a time without mobile technology, even though it was only 10 years ago. So it was during their childhood. But when when you talk with them and, and when we do our program evaluations, they see themselves as what we call digital natives. They understand the technology because they use it and have grown up with it every day. So we in higher education have to come to terms with that. Absolutely. And it's a challenge in the sense that higher education, there's that old you know, saying of it's easier to change the course of history than to change a course in history, right? <laughs> like that old adage that higher education and college material, we don't want to necessarily change, that we're resistant to change. But this is a place where in order to support students to live in the world that they've grown up in and will be adults in, they have to be able to access this technology. Makes so much sense. And it's available. Why not access it? Why not use it? So, Lori, as part of your role in the classroom, small groups or one-on-one, you're using these devices, I'm I'm sure. I think it's interesting because we've evolved from... I remember it was books on tape, Mm -hmm. and then we had the recordings for the blind and dyslexic, and we'd Mm -hmm. we'd get the cassette tapes. Mm. Um, I used to produce those. I know all about (laughs) that. that. I worked with that organization. That was so – just to see how we've come in just my time being there. Exactly. 20 years, how far we've come. But I think it's interesting to try and make the technology – not an obstacle to the student's learning so that it becomes whoops that's perfect because <laughs> uh, that's my that's the thing that yeah. because we don't want this i feel like this generation also being digital natives they're also isolated in mm. many ways yes. and the the heart of our program is this connection that we develop with each of our students this one-on-one connection that we develop and really getting to know them. So we use the technology together 
and mm. just things like YouTube. The students are now using, we have the platform of Blackboard that they're all needing to use for their courses where they have to find all the information online and they have to submit everything mm-hmm. digitally. So that's a learning curve for all of us because we're yes. that's constantly changing. And so by the time the students master that, for example, we're changing platforms now. They've just mastered Blackboard and now we're switching out. of. So that idea in itself is that the technology is constantly changing and Laura's trying to stay on top of Yeah, and one of our learning outcomes in the iPal program is being able to respond with technological fluency. So creating work products that matter And then also being able to troubleshoot sort of in real time and overcome challenges that you see on the device, any device. It doesn't matter what device you're using. But what Professor Lubeski is saying is that literally the technology changes every single day. Another aspect uh, that's relatively new to me because I haven't been been up on it is the multilingual work you're doing. I mean, it makes perfect sense. There are so many people who are speaking other languages beyond English. Tell me how that's working, how that's been in effect, and how long. We have a program within PAL that's called the PAL for Multilingual Students Program, PML, and our coordinator is Dr. Lynn Abrahams. And the program targets three um, groups of students, and that's because these three groups of students come to the program. One is students who live in the United States who speak more than one language at home, so English and another language at home. Students who are adopted internationally and who are living in the United States, so their early exposure was to a different language than English. And then third, students who are um, from another country and are speaking another language at home in, in their native country. Okay. So it's three very diverse types of students. Um, And what we're seeing is that for all of those three types of students, there is a lot of misunderstanding around not just having a learning difference, but also having a learning difference and speaking more than one language because it's more challenging to assess and pull apart um, speaking a foreign language or multiple languages when you have a learning disability potentially on top of it. Mm. So that's, you know, and if you think of students who are coming from um, other countries where the the society or the culture or the policy around diagnosis and intervention for disabilities might not be the same as it is in the United States, we have students who maybe have never been diagnosed before um, who come to the United States, come to PAL to first be evaluated. So we have an educational diagnostic center and then to come and receive services because they're growing up in a country where I worked with a student from her. Her mother was from France. Her father was from the United States. She had attention deficit. And I was like, what's it like in Paris for you? with your attention deficit. She said, I don't have ADHD in in France. I only (laughs) have ADHD in the United States. It doesn't exist, right? right? So it's it's very, you know, and that, if you look at cultural transitions, is really important for our students because they have a foot in two different cultures and they're simultaneously straddling Mm. two different worlds. So it's not just the same as providing an intervention. It has to be a culturally responsive type of intervention and support that meets those students because they are diverse in their own way. You mentioned diagnostic services is mm-hmm. so critical. Uh, do you find that that there's a need to 
make sure you're diagnosing incoming students. They might have had a previous diagnosis. Is is it something that you need to examine and and make certain that we're in the right track or or no, what? They've or they come into PAL with documentation of their learning disability. So we don't we go over their testing with them when okay. they arrive at PAL and talk about again their profile, their learning profile, their strengths and weaknesses, but the educational diagnostic center they provide testing for students who are younger students students applying to college students who haven't been tested previously okay that's a great point there's a, there's a lot of service available through pal that people mm-hmm. should know about people yes. who are not yet applying to schools and so forth i mean you even have a summer program right that's Correct. very successful very successful the summer program is such an important aspect of support for students, especially students who feel that it will be difficult to make the transition. I think that's the one of the most critical support services. They come into the college in the summer for three weeks. It's ba- there's probably about half the incoming freshman class. So we, be, we have a typical incoming freshman class of 100 or 120. 120. Mm-hmm. So maybe 50 to 60 students will be in the summer PAL program. Mm. They receive three credits for that program. Oh. So it's very helpful for them in terms of if they come in and they would require reduced load the first semester and they would take 12 credits instead of 15, well, they could carry that three over for, from summer. I see. But they have command of the college over mm-hmm. the summer, and it's very exciting. Most important aspect, I believe, is the social aspect where they make friends and they mm. make connections. I'm a proud graduate uh, from many, many years ago, and one of the things I remember, however, was there was a bit of a separation on, among the populations. If somebody went to the, quote, PAL program, and again, this was in the 70s, mm-hmm. others would look at them askance and think, eh, this person's not quite as smart or has issues. Mm-hmm. What I'm just wondering uh, how that's changed, assuming that it's changed for the better, and if there is still some work to be done. I think there's always work to be done. <laughs> Agreed, yes. And shockingly, it seems... Many of the new professors coming in also, we have to educate the the professors in the rest of the college about our program, Mm. especially, and we have developed an orientation to basically inform new professors coming in because it's different just, you know, reading about, okay, this is a college that has 20 to 25% of the population learns differently. And being in a classroom and trying to tailor your teaching to a variety of different students, and I'm always stunned by that myself, that maybe we shouldn't be getting into this political issue, but I'm always stunned about the lack of awareness in this day and age. you're right, Lori, uh, Professor, because the reason we're doing this podcast and trying to get information out there is to is to cut that that image down, chop it down, and and move it out of the way. It's still tough, it isn't is it, Laura? It is tough, and I think uh, our our natural bias as humans is to recognize patterns. That's what we do. We're mm-hmm. pattern recognition systems. Our brains right. are designed to pick up on patterns, and when there's a pattern that sticks out, 
um, evolutionarily that could be beneficial or it could not be beneficial. So it's absolutely normal for people to look at someone with a disability and to feel something about that, mm-hmm. to first recognize that it's different and to to have a physiological response Even to a, it. Even a positive, I'm going to say, an empathetic yeah. response, yes. which is not negative, but yet it, it's affecting the other person at some point. One of the things that comes to mind, a college is great for all kinds of reasons, the social and all that, but it's also an opportunity to pick up on extracurricular uh, activities, whether it be theater, dance, uh, sports, art, etc. Talk a little bit to each, each one of you or one of you, just talk a little bit about how that plays a big part, uh, I'm assuming, in the role of a PAL student, because it played a big part in my life. Lori? And it's critical for our students, um, all students at Curry, for their success to be involved. And so many of our students have leadership positions in the community. We have a wonderful new program as the um, PAL mentoring program with Actually, Dr. Bachi Galupo started this program, was it three years old? Mm-hmm. Two to three years old, where she's recruiting members, students in PAL, to mentor the incoming freshmen. Oh, that's a great idea. Wow. And it, and it just puts them in, in a, a role of, again, having the responsibility for their own education, right. taking command empowering Mm -hmm. them in such a positive way, giving them such self-confidence. And with the peer mobile learning tutors, you can talk a little bit about that, how that's giving the students a feeling of self-empowerment as well and a, a way to assist other students to be more compassionate, uh, to be helpful, to be of service, and I think all that contributes to their overall success at college. You want to add to that, Laura? Absolutely. I think that when you look at a student coming out of high school, often with the shifts that we've had in standardized testing across the United States, that parts of their education are things that happen to them. They're not things that they are actively involved in and shaping. So once they come to college, still they need to learn material. But all of the studies of higher education show that they learn as much outside of class as they do in class. So Mm -hmm. it's not just sitting in a lecture or sitting in a seminar and doing that academic work that's contributing to their growth and development. It's all of the interactions Mm -hmm. they're having on the campus, in the clubs, in the athletic arenas, and really putting that all together and that shift that uh, Professor Lubeski is talking about from being the one receiving something or the one to whom something is happening to being the one who's providing a service or guiding other students or being a leader in any realm Students talk about how they see themselves differently, how they they never thought that they could be seen as a leader, and yet now they are. And those are the people we want in our world, right, in our workplaces. Mm. We want the people who can come in and find the place that we need to change and mm. then provide that change. And we really, I think, on a daily basis – get to benefit in ways that 
other people may not understand, but when you are surrounded by students who learn differently and who process information differently, an average stimulus, like I walk into a room and it looks like wallpaper to me. My students see something there that I never would have even picked up on, right? Mm. Because it's just there. Sometimes my students will just rearrange something that wasn't working quite right. Sometimes it's a physical something in my office or in the, our assistive technology center. They'll make a small change that has such a huge difference mm. in the way that our space is working. And I get really excited because I'm like, who did that? How, who hooked that up? How did they think to take that, you know, one day was elastic, like that elastic piece from across the room and hook it up there so that everything that the students needed is now at at desk height and they're like well it just made sense right <laughs> i'm like i didn't even see it i you know it's amazing to to us that they see the world differently and we want to empower them to make the change and, that, and that these, they can and these these people who are seeing the world differently are giving us a world that is so much in so many ways more colorful more interesting more yes. intricate uh, if you look at the the famous celebs among us, uh, yes. some of the best and brightest, the greatest inventors and thinkers, it's truly a, it's truly an accomplishment. So you've sort of answered this, but I'd like to ask it again of both mm-hmm. of you. Give both of you. I'll go to Professor Lebeski first, and that is the satisfaction you get. Describe the feeling. Mm-hmm. She did a great job. I don't know how you could top that, but how do you feel about the work you're doing? Right, that's the the greatest payoff of our job, I believe, is seeing these students, if you will, come into their, come into themselves, but have this self-esteem, have this assurance, have this confidence. And we see it from, especially if you work with a student, some of our students stay in PAL all four years. Mm-hmm. And just the, the change that happens is mm. really quite unbelievable. Uh, for some of the students, you, and you'll remind them, remember when freshman year, I, I always use one of my students from California as a model when she came in and she was so nervous and she was so nervous during her, she had a communications course where she had to give speeches and she would be so nervous the day of her speech that she would vomit in the trash cans outside of the building because she was so terrified to give speeches. Well, she went on to become a peer mentor, a peer, what do they call those in the communication center where they help with the speeches? A writing a speech? Not the, the speech, where she went on to be a peer leader, leader in our communications center. Mm-hmm our speech center, and she went on. <laughs> she was recruited by Vicki Nelson, who was the head of the speaking center at that point, to go to conferences and present. And she just went, did a complete turn from, mm. and I would always remind her, remember, and I use her as an example of the students now who are nervous about taking that COM 1010, that's the intro to COM course. And just to see that turnaround and and. The more success they had, the more that built up their self-esteem and that's their so confidence. Cool. That is... And then their awareness. Yeah. And remember, I used – her name was Danielle, and I use her all the time as an example because she just – once she recognized her ability and her power and she wasn't held back by the definition that she had grown up with of herself, mm-hmm. 
once she dropped that, shed that skin of, you know, can't. Can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not good enough. And it, All right, that and stuff. And opened up this door of possibility. There was no holding her down. Everybody on campus wanted her for their programs to be, you know, to be a, an ambassador, to, to mm. work. A, a truly a changed person, a leader at this point. Right. Um, and, and it just goes to show you that uh, if you dedicate, as you both do and your team does, dedicate yourself to your students and, and don't give up. Uh, it, you know, a lot of people would have given up on people like this years mm-hmm. ago. And, and they uh, have been given up on. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> we hear from them all the time on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, they also can uh, can rise above it, which is fantastic. Before we wrap up, uh, we're thrilled that you're here and we're, we're so excited about your 50th you do, either one of you don't look a day over 25. Um, I wanted to uh, ask uh, Laura, Laura, to just talk a little bit about what people can do if they're hearing this for the first time. They've got students in high school or even younger, and they'd like to know more about the program. Obviously, they can go to the website, curry.edu forward slash pal, P-A-L. But are you uh, in your team willing to talk to folks if they've got oh, questions? Oh, absolutely. We have an admissions team at Curry, and we have an admissions team in PAL. Um, we welcome people to come on campus. The most, you know, the the web's available 24 hours a day, and people need that resource to educate themselves and to, to reach out and find information at a time that's convenient for right. them. The most important thing is to meet the people mm-hmm. because nothing will substitute for seeing students um, stepping into themselves and being leaders. Nothing substitutes for seeing faculty and staff who are committed and passionate about seeing students succeed. Well, both of you are carrying on the Gertrude Webb mantle, which is not easy because she was an amazing figure. And, and uh, I, I, her daughter, Heidi, who's part of this organization, has kept it alive, uh, is so proud, as we all are. But she'd be very proud, Gertrude, of the work you're doing. Mm. No question. No question. Right, I mean, certainly she would. Because these are uh, these are her her dreams and hopes for the future. So again, it's curry.edu forward slash pal for the program for advancement of learning, celebrating 50 years. There'll be a big event next year that we can remind people about, and I'm sure a lot of alums will be coming back for that. Yes. And uh, professors Laura and Lori, you were telling me there are a lot of Lauras and a lot of Lori's <laughs> among your group. There huh? certainly are. We think we have seven. Laura, Lori, Laura by Laura H, Laura M, Laura V. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad I got you two, the Laura and Lori I got, because you you fulfilled your mission beautifully. Thank you very Thank much, you. both of you, and continued success. And uh, we wish everyone out there uh, the opportunities that a program like PAL can afford. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Pleasure to be here. Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. And once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org. 